are here to join us this morning. Um, Greg is not here, obviously, so I get to preach. And as many of you know, next Sunday, uh, we will be starting a new series called Finding Your Way Back to God. And so uh, he didn't give me really any direction as to what to preach on today, and so I got to decide. And I just asked myself, you know, what is something that keeps people from finding their way back to God? And as I thought about that, I kind of landed on this idea of abandonment and loneliness. Um, For some people, abandonment, it's a reality in their lives. Uh, We experience abandonment from a parent, a spouse, grandparent, maybe a good friend, uh, whether that is through a relationship that was never really there, or maybe it's through a relationship that was severed, or maybe uh, just a passing, they passed away. Nonetheless, abandonment and loneliness um, is a reality for many. So if you are someone who has experienced abandonment, you know exactly what I'm talking about as far as how that impacts your reality. And for some of you, maybe you you could be kind of questioning me on whether or not, like, what, what does abandonment have to do with someone's faith and their desire to uh, want to seek out God? Um, and so what I want to ask those of you who may be taking that, you're finding yourself in that position, to consider some stories that I would like to start us off with. Um, just a few stories. And, and the first one is this. There's someone named Nick, and he's from Chicago. And Nick is a blue-collar guy, works with his hands, um, lives in a rough neighborhood of of Chicago. Um, Shortly after being born, his father uh, left his mother. And so all of his childhood, he grew up with mom and his two older siblings, uh, two older brothers. And they lived in an apartment that honestly wasn't in very good condition and it was bug-infested. Uh, while, all the while, his father lived across the city with his new wife in a very nice home. And from Nick's perspective, uh, he found himself asking God, if you're so good, why did you allow a little kid like me to go through that? Now, um, Nick's abandonment led him to confusion. His confusion led him to doubt. His doubt led him to apathy to the point where Nick didn't really care about God. God wasn't on his radar. And then he met a girl named Lisa. And when he met Lisa, Lisa was in the middle of asking a lot of big life questions. Um, And those questions that she was asking led her to an authentic faith with Jesus Christ. And that was something that Nick really desired. And so Nick is like many people, where they're just, they're really just trying to find their way back to God. There's someone named Corey, and Corey is from Decatur. Uh, Corey grew up in a home where his dad worked long hours at a hospital. Um, His mom uh, was a factory worker, blue collar. Um, and not very nurturing. She wasn't a very nurturing mother, and part of that has to do with 
her background and her experience with uh, the household that she grew up in. But nonetheless, uh, Corey did not have a nurturing mom. And dad wasn't really in his life because dad was always at the hospital. So Corey fled. He didn't run away from home, but he would hang out at this farm outside of Decatur uh, with these two brothers who were farmers. And deep down, Corey loves the farm. And during this time, this is like during his junior high years, his grandpa would take him to church. And so grandpa became a central figure in his life, and so did these two men. Well, in the last five years, all three of those men have passed away, and Corey is no longer a part of the farm. And that was something that his heart was really invested in, was the farm. And so his abandonment, his loneliness, started with parents that he lived with, but they weren't invested in his life. And now these three men were no longer a part of his life. Corey felt abandoned. Uh, This past week, I went to Liberty Village down the street here, and uh, got to visit with a few people. And they never used the word abandoned. They never said that they were lonely. But they would talk about, um, they would talk about their kids who don't live in the area anymore. And since they don't live in the area, their grandkids don't live in the area anymore. And I could tell from their face, they were just really excited to have a visitor. Um, honestly, and those of you who know me personally, you know that and when I get on a roll, I can, I can talk your ear off at times if I'm not aware. And I really didn't say a word because these people were so excited to just have somebody to share some stories with. They feel abandoned and lonely. Abandonment is a real thing. And there are names of people who are attached to this reality. We've got Nick. We've got Corey, and I guess I didn't name the names, but we have people at Liberty Village who experience this on a, on a fairly daily basis. And my heart genuinely aches for people who in their reality, they experience abandonment and loneliness, and that keeps them from finding their Heavenly Father, to even have a desire to want to care to find their Heavenly Father. Because here's the thing, what I know is that God just wants to shower them with grace. He wants to shower them with his love and and extend forgiveness to them. Yet there are people who allow this wall of abandonment or loneliness to keep them from seeking out God. And I hate that. This feeling of abandonment, it's so common. It's so common in our world, so much so that A lady named Kelly Clarkson wrote a song called Piece by Piece, and she wrote this because she is currently finding herself in a stage of life where she is now married. Uh, They are starting a family of their own, and she is watching her husband and how he's present in in the lives of her children and comparing that to how she grew up with a dad who wasn't really in her life. 
until recently, now that she's popular, he wants to be a part of her life. And so she's comparing the two, and she wrote this poetic song that I asked Sam and Ashley Oakley to um, sing for us, uh, to help give us a look through a window into the life of someone who has experienced abandonment. And all I remember is your back Walking towards the airport Leaving us all in your past I traveled 1,500 miles to see Begged you to want me, but you didn't want to. But piece by piece, he collected me up off the ground where you abandoned things. And piece by piece, he filled the holes that you burned in me at six years old. And no, he never walks away. could stay and all of your words fall flat I made something of myself and now you want to come back but you'll never Father should be 
So no matter where you're at in life, um, whether you have attended church your whole life, whether this is your first time at church or it's your first church service you've been to in a long time, there's one thing that we all can agree on. And that is that part of life and just part of being human, um, it's really just a journey where we are trying to find our way back to God. Um, the good times and the bad times. And e- even those stories that I told, um, Nick's life, Corey's life, both of those stories started with ba- abandonment, loneliness, but it's ended with them now living their lives with Christ and for Christ. And so there are positive things that can come from these experiences. Also, I know the word abandonment is a very strong word. And to an extent, I want to just kind of make the the playing field level here and say we all have been abandoned. And and here's why. Is when I look at the Genesis account, we were brought into a world that was perfect. We broke away from God. And ever since then, we've been trying to find our way back. And it's painful, it's not easy. Some of us do find our way back and some of us don't. Some of us will continue to search and search and search and only come up empty-handed. And I know of someone who, in a sense, was abandoned, for sure lonely, and that someone is in Scripture, and I think it was about two weeks ago, uh, Greg took touched on a little bit and it's out of John 4 so if you have your Bibles or your devices flip open to John 4 we're going to look at the account of the woman at the well and we're going to start in verse 1 now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went, ba- went back once more to Galilee. Now, he, he had to go through Samaria. Take note of that. He had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. So Jesus is also tired. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who is or who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? 
Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did all his sons and his livestock? So she's not quite getting here what kind of water Jesus is talking about. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So again, she's still not getting it. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking to her? During this time of Jesus' ministry, the nation of Israel was divided into three regions. You had the, the south region was Judah. Galilee was in the north, and Samaria was in the middle. And the people that lived in Samaria, they were part Jewish, but several years before this, the Assyrians came in, they, they took over the land, uh, Israel was captive, and during that time, the Assyrians moved uh, their people into that region, and they exiled the Israelites. And during that time, there were some Jews that stayed. Many of them were poor Jews, and those that stayed ended up intermarrying with the Assyrians. Now, in John 4, several years later, uh, the Israelites are no longer in exile. They have come back home, but the people that lived in Samaria, um, they were very much different than the rest of the Jewish people. Um, in many ways, they were seen as unclean since they intermarried with Assyrians, people who weren't part of the, the Jewish nation. And so they were kind of casted out. They, they did not associate with one another. Uh, they, there was no relationship. They were kind of viewed as the others. Uh, they were not living life together. And so as I'm reading this story of the woman at the well, Verse 4 stood out to me. And what I learned is Jesus reaches out to the abandoned, to the lonely. He wants to reach out because what we learn from this text is Jesus said he had to go through Samaria. So there was a divine appointment that Jesus had with this woman. 
Now, what was common practice is since Samaria was in the middle, uh, if they wanted to go from the Galilee area to Judah, they, they would actually go around Samaria, but not Jesus. Jesus cut straight through, and he had a divine appointment with this woman at this well. Jesus reaches out to the abandoned. The next thing, this comes from verse 9. Jesus loves the abandoned. In this exchange that he has with this woman, he shows her love and compassion by simply just being around her. And she's actually shocked. She, she, it says here in the text, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? This exchange is so good, this woman can't even believe it. And then, after this woman, um, this woman asks about this living water that Jesus is talking about. And what we know from the text is Jesus is tired too. He could use a cup of water. And this woman's at the well looking for a cup of water. And Jesus is talking to her about this living water. And at least two different times, we know that she is not really connecting with Jesus here on what he's talking about with this living water stuff. And so Jesus then, after talking about this living water, he tells her, hey, go, t- go tell your husband. And then that's when they start this dialogue about her faithfulness. And, or lack of faithfulness. And what I see in that is not, I I mean, yes, there's a lack of faithfulness there, but what I see, it's an identity issue. There's self-image, there's a lack of self-image, a lack of self-worth that Jesus is addressing here and kind of bringing to light. So whether it's abandonment or some other life circumstance, we as humans, though, we tend to allow life circumstances to determine our identity. This woman has allowed the patterns of her life to hold her identity. And Jesus is calling that out. In this account, Jesus reaches out to her, shows love and compassion to her by simply having a conversation with her. But then he also identifies her identity problem. He speaks truth into her life. And that's point three here. Jesus speaks truth to the abandoned. He doesn't want this woman's identity to be in men. He wants this woman's identity to be in him and to know this living water. To know where she can get her ultimate thirst satisfied. Then the last thing that Jesus tells this woman is, he, he basically tells her that he's the Messiah. I'm the one that you're waiting on. The one that's talking to you, that's me. And then the next verse, uh, which actually is um, outside of the, the chunk that may have been in your, in your Bible, um, two words really stuck out to me, and that was just then. So right when Jesus makes himself known to this woman that he's the Messiah, He's having this exchange with this woman. I'm kind of envisioning the well, you know, somewhere around in here. The woman's knelt down by the well. Jesus kind of leaned up against it as well. And they're having this exchange. 
And then we're told, just then his disciples were, uh, returned and were surprised to find him talking with this woman. And then that's where the, the biblical narrative switches. That we start, we then transition from dialogue with Jesus and this woman to Jesus is now having dialogue with his disciples who are walking towards them from a distance from the town where they went to go get food. And when I read that, what I, what I gather is here G- Jesus reached out to her. He loved her, showed her compassion. Here, she's a total outsider, and she knows it too. Because she questions why he's talking to her. But he still reaches out to her. He still loves her, shows compassion to her. But then he also speaks truth to her. He, he calls out some sin that's in her life. Because he knows that her identity is not in him. And he wants her identity to be found in him. And then we see this transition where he sends her off. And we don't hear anything more about this lady. And what that tells me is Jesus wants to send off the restored. He had a divine appointment with this woman. He knew what was coming. He had his exchange and then he sends her off. Now let me transition to those of you who would say that um, you have been living uh, the Christian faith out for a while. Um, You have been pursuing Jesus. Um, Maybe abandonment or loneliness was something that you dealt with many years ago. um, But that's kind of in the past. And you're now finding yourself in this new stage of life. And and Jesus is is your focal point. I want to encourage you with something here. And that is, um, it actually comes from Genesis chapter 25. Uh, It's the account of Esau and Jacob. Don't be Esau. Esau gave in to his temporary circumstances. He was super hungry, um, felt like he was dying, and his brother, who had the gift of cooking, um, made him some soup. And Esau gave in to that and for exchange for his birthright which was something that he would get later on in life that was very great, very grand. It was an honor to have that. And he gave that up because of uh, temporary circumstances that were right in front of his face. Don't be Esau. My desire for you uh, is that you will be able to live out your life with Jesus, for Jesus, continuously until God calls you home and that you will be able to say the words that Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 7 it says this I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith whether life is good or life is bad do not give in to anything that this world offers because it is temporary it does not last It will not quench your thirst. Don't give in to it. Keep the faith. Don't trade the restoration that you have received in Christ for something that is temporary. Don't trade your restoration for your abandonment or your loneliness that you may experience.
and for those of you who maybe haven't given your life to Christ. We welcome you into that relationship. It's, it's not easy. It's hard at times. And there will come a point where you're going to come to a crossroads on this journey of life where you're going to either be able to turn left or turn right or go straight. And my encouragement for all of us is that we will go straight, that we won't turn off the path. Isaiah 53.6 says this, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And in this passage, um, several verses before verse 6 and after verse 6 talk about the, uh, the coming Messiah and the pain and sacrifice that he's going to have to endure in order to bring God's people back to him, in order to bring the lost sheep back to their good shepherd. And so it was God's plan from day one to send his son to restore his abandoned sheep to their good shepherd. That was the plan. That was plan A, and God is seeing that through. And so I want to land here with this. Do not allow abandonment or loneliness to keep you from finding your way back to God. If that's you, don't allow that. Don't allow your stage of life that you're in, whether, and if it's loneliness, don't allow that to keep you from seeking out the Father. Don't allow things that happened in your past where you felt abandoned by a human being, don't take that human being's character and attach that to the, the character of God because God just wants to extend his grace to you. He wants to share love, his love with you. He wants to show compassion to you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you a hope for your future. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for this body of believers that we can come to hear your word preached, that we can be encouraged in the midst of life that really stinks at times. Lord, I pray for those who find themselves in this biblical narrative as the woman at the well. I, I pray that they will come to a better understanding of your grace, that they will just accept you for who you are, that they will extend their hand out, they will grab your hand, and they will uh, accept your love, your compassion, that they will find hope in the living water that you want to offer them. I want to pray for those who have been living their lives for Christ for some time, that you will help them to not give into temporary circumstances, but that they will uh, continue to walk this path alongside you, for you, so that at the end of their life they can say that they were faithful, that they fought the good fight, that they, they won the race, and that they will live in eternity with your son, Jesus. Thank you for this church. Thank you for today. This is your day. It's in your name I pray. Amen.